Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, actually, you can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, you can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on Chad. You know, yeah, I got to something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Yes, sir. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, stuff. That, that. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad With no baseball program with more heartache 
and disappointment than the Chicago Cubs. I mean, it's a running joke throughout my lifetime. There's always next year for the Chicago Cubs. Now, the Cubs hadn't been to a World Series since we were dropping bombs in Japan. 1945, they had not won a World Series since 1908. Wrap your mind around that. I mean, I don't go and look up the price of things in 1908. Need to find out. I think I'm going to do that during the break. The price of, were we even driving cars in 1908? My goodness. Need to take a look at that. Nevertheless, 108-year drop ended by the Chicago Cubs. Joe Madden feeling extreme relief. Oh, man, you could just see. You could hear the pundits. You could see social media ready to come after this guy and absolutely pounce all over him because, you know, he wasn't supposed to use Aralis Chapman, his reliever, his closer, in the game Tuesday night that they had an extremely big lead in. It's just not what you don't use your closer. Save the guy. That's conventional wisdom. I learned a little bit more on the side of get to the game. Get to the game seven. Do what you got to do to get to that game seven, and then you figure everything else out from there. That was Joe Madden, I guess, uh, approach to this thing. So he brought Chapman on in game six, had him pitch a little, and then last night, lo and behold, Cubs get a lead, Chapman comes in to close it out, and he doesn't get the job done. Probably gives up some hits, gives up a game-tying home run, and Madden is looking uh, in his book, looking at some notes. Man, he can't read a word on that page. You have to know that right now. Whatever the heck he was looking at, he damn sure couldn't read it. He was just hearing the pundits coming for him. They were cooking his carcass. He might have needed an escort out of the city of Chicago last night if this thing didn't work out for him. And it worked out despite the way things went. Chapman, uh, you know, came on. The game got tied up by the end. Some pretty clutch hitting there. Um, Indian fans. Uh, man, there's the shot of LeBron going nuts. Which, by the way, uh, Twitter took off on uh, LeBron James, who's, you know, known for wearing Yankee hats. And uh, they have declared him a Yankee fan, which he, that may have even come out of his own mouth. Um, and there he was, all happy for the Indians, and Indian fans just couldn't accept that fact. That how could this man be happy for the Indians if he also likes the Yankees? Like how could he like two different baseball teams? That's it. You can't do that. Come on, man. The guy is from the, the Ohio. Okay. It's okay if he likes a team outside of Ohio, but he also likes the, the Cleveland Indians. Relax a little. People always looking for a reason to go after somebody. Nevertheless, Indians clutch hitting, home run, tie the game, go to extra innings. Chapman comes on, does his job. They got to bring him another reliever. The uh, Cubs do what they got to do in the top of the 10, close it out in the bottom of the 10th inning, and, and get the win, get the job done. So, congratulations to the Chicago Cubs. I don't know what other stories there are left now in Major League Baseball. The Red Sox ended their curse, the curse of Bambino. The Cubs have ended their misery. I guess maybe the Indians. I guess that's the story that's still left. Not as big a story of 
there's always next year for the Cubs for the 108th, ninth time. So that's that one story left, unless they can concoct something. Or we can get another steroid-type scandal going. I'll never underestimate, you know, uh, these organizations and these big corporations. Uh, I'll never underestimate their ability to manipulate a story and make us watch. But they got us all watching. I'm, I'm, the, I'm sure the numbers on last night's game are going to be huge. There were a ton of non-baseball fans. I guarantee you there were millions, okay, I'm saying this number, millions of people who did not watch one single regular season Major League Baseball game that watched that game seven last night between the Cubs and the Indians. Willing to bet. I think I watched, and, you know, I might be embarrassed to say this, given that I am in the sports talk industry, I may have watched maybe two baseball games this entire regular season in their entirety. Two. Can't, it wouldn't be more than two. Now, I'm also a guy that's pressed for time. I'm spread thin. You know, I don't really have four hours to sit down and watch a baseball game. And the game has to involve my New York Yankees. Or it has to be some serious high drama. I didn't even watch the entire game seven last night. I was in a meeting, came out of the meeting. I caught the best part of the game. I'll say that. And mind you, you're talking to someone who loves the game of baseball, grew up playing the game of baseball. And even I couldn't watch an entire Major League Baseball game on many nights during the regular season. So kudos to Major League Baseball. You got the ultimate matchup. I don't think there was a better matchup you could have had in your World Series this year. You probably did huge numbers. I'm sure records were broken on the viewership for that game last night. Congratulations on that. Uh, You discovered a really good, if you're Fox, you discovered a really good chemistry in your pre- and post-game studio show with Pete Rose and Alex Rodriguez and Big Frank. So baseball's on the come up. Meanwhile, the NFL wants to throw flags for foolishness. They're allowing one of their marquee quarterbacks to get hit in the head and dove into the knees. He's mad about it. Got all kinds of things going on in the NFL. NFL better wake up and wake up quick. But coming up on the show today, it's all about the big three in terms of colleges here in the state of Florida, talking University of Miami football, Florida Gators football, and Florida State. Going to have the great Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation joining me on the show today to talk for the first time this year to talk Florida State Seminoles football. Where do the Seminoles go from here? Nick Delatore is going to join me from GatorCountry.com to talk about the uh, Gators and the position they find themselves in and what they need to do to get themselves back to Atlanta since it seems things are really imploding over there in Knoxville. How much of a threat is Kentucky? What's next for the Gators? And I was hoping to have Brian and Beast London on with me to talk Kings football, but uh, that's fallen through. So you got me talking Kings football. I'm going to be talking about that in the next segment. If you want to call into the show, the number is 347-633-9365. If you listen to me live now, live though is best. Listen to me live. And so if you uh, have a question or comment, you can give me a call. 347-633-9365. Outside of that, follow the show on Twitter. New Twitter account. Make a note of it. Go follow us now at G-I-S-Show-B-G. At 
G-I-S-Show-B-G on Twitter. Go ahead and follow us there. Submit your questions and comments about the Gridiron Stud Show or to the host uh, there at G-I-S-Show-B-G. We got a football game tonight in the NFL. It's another ho hummer in the NFL. I mean, they throw us the diseased games on Thursday night. Yet another one. Falcons at the Buccaneers. Got to find a way to get lathered up for the five and three Falcons heading over to the three and four Buccaneers. I guess they could watch Jameis Winston in there. Vernon Hargraves on defense. You know, I like defensive backs. Not sure who the hell is going to carry the ball for the Buccaneers at running back. Falcons have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. That's fun. I find some kind of reason to watch this game tonight. No more baseball. And the association doesn't have a, you know, a really big slate tonight. Only five games on the schedule in the NBA tonight. Kings versus Magic. Celtics versus Cavaliers. LeBron's on TV. That might hurt the NFL. Pacers versus Bucks. Nuggets and Timberwolves. Thunder and Warriors. Well, there's one. I'm going to be watching that tonight. OKC traveling to Golden State to face their old friend, Kevin Durant. Big matchup there tonight. And uh, I'm sure that will grab some viewers there on TNT. So you've got your 8 o'clock game, Celtics versus Cavs, undefeated Cavs, taking on... um, Celtics taking on the Cavaliers, and then you got the Thunder, OKC Thunder, who are undefeated, by the way, minus Durant, against the Golden State Warriors. Hey, how how about those Warriors? Are they dead yet? Are they out of the playoffs yet? I mean, everyone called them dead after that opening night loss. They just buried those guys. It's just funny how that was done. Warriors opened up their season in not-so-great fashion, lost 129-100 to to the San Antonio Spurs, and everyone wrote them off. Since then, they have uh, followed that up with three straight wins and have uh, scored massive points in all of those games, 122, 106, and then uh, 127. They'll be tested tonight, though. OKC and Russell Westbrook coming in there with much, much fire, and uh, we'll kind of see what it is the uh, Warriors got tonight. So a couple of big basketball games in the NBA. It's a short slate, but uh, a couple of hot ones there for you. So maybe that'll steal some eyeballs away from the Bucks and the Falcons. Pretty sure that's going to happen. College football is always Thursday night game. So who do we have on on the Thursday night slate? I'm sure you folks have been trying to check in on the little Mac games, you know, called you guys degenerates. Didn't mean to be so harsh. Oh, yes, I did. But uh, you had another Mac game last night. Toledo took on Akron. Very one-sided. Toledo pounded the hell out of Akron. 148-17, but it's that Mac time of year. Another Mac game tonight, 2-6 Buffalo facing 6-3 Ohio. You also have uh, number 12 Oklahoma traveling to Iowa State tonight. And then UCLA minus Josh Rosen traveling to take on upstart number 21 Colorado. And UCLA looked just fine against Utah from an offensive standpoint without Josh Rosen. Can that continue? Now that there's a little bit of a book out there on their quarterback. But uh, he did, you know, jump in and do quite a job. 
in their last game against Utah, which they lost. But I'm talking about Mike Fafoul. Fafoul. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. Threw the ball 70 times. Man, when's the last time you saw UCLA do something like that? But anyway, Fafal completed 40 of 70 passes last time out, 464 yards, five touchdowns. Can you duplicate those kind of numbers? Probably is going to need to come somewhere close to that against 6-2 and two Colorado that everyone's kind of asleep on. Odds makers aren't, though. Colorado is a 12.5-point favorite in this game. How about that? Who saw that coming at the beginning of the year? I think at the beginning of the year, you probably had UCLA somewhere in the five-point favorite in this game. My, how that has swung. That's about a 17-point favorite swing there. 17-point swing right there in this game. Colorado, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. That seems kind of healthy for me. I need to take a look at that one. Nevertheless, going to need to take a break when I get back. Talking Canes football here on the Great Iron Stud Show. Talking Canes football when I get back. We'll be right back right after this. Sure, someone's gone. Winch is here. But that doesn't mean everyone's putting their T-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen-printed T-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. It's 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. 
For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges, step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. we got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen. Just be the self self rich man. Ten twenty two on a Thursday here on the Great Iron Stud Show. A happy Chicago day on the Great Iron Stud Show as the one hundred and eight year drought has been ended for the Chicago Cubs. So they're rejoicing in the streets. You know, they're also rioting too. I mean, a lot of debauchery going on in the streets of Chicago. And out in Cleveland. I mean, go to Twitter, go to social media, look at some of this thuggery going on in the streets. So a poor uh, Chicago Cubs fan get completely knocked out. by uh, an angry Indian fan. Tough to know what went on before the actual um, knockout blow was delivered, but man, oh man. I just never really understood that. Why do they tear up the town after winning? What's the deal? I mean, I get Cleveland fans being a little bit upset, but I mean, we're talking about a baseball game here already. Why do we need to tear up the city? I don't, uh, I don't get it. Nevertheless, you had that going on. Chicago Cubs fans, Cleveland Indian fans squaring off. I'll tell you who is squaring off. It's the University of Miami this Saturday. Canes return home, and they're going to take on the Pitt Panthers. To say that this is a a must-win for the Canes would be a gross understatement. The Canes are amidst a four-game losing streak. I think we knew coming into the season this was – a tough stretch for the Canes. I don't think anyone thought that they'd see them losing four games in a row. Maybe a possibility, but not likely. But that's exactly where we stand. And uh, the program continues to not be able to get it together after losing the Florida State game. And I don't know what it is. We've got, obviously, a new head coach, new coaching staff in there now. And maybe it's going to take some reprogramming of mindset because the mindset prior to Rick's arrival has been to just kind of fall apart after losing to Florida State. 
And I'm just kind of like, hey, listen, you, you really could have won at Florida State. You lost by a point. Why are all things lost after losing to Florida State? One point loss. But uh, that is also combined with, you know, the fact that you're playing some pretty good football teams if you're the University of Miami. So, um, you know, you, you, you're running into the meat party, your, your schedule. And so that has something to do with your decline. And, and, and so, you know, you, uh, the Kings really got to get back on the horse. And this is a, another good opponent. It's going to be another physical game. And Kings are going to have to just step up. You got to do something to end it. You got to do, you got to end it. You can't lose five in a row. I mean, Al Golden's Miami Hurricanes never lost five in a row. And I'm just kind of wondering what kind of crowd we're going to have in the stadium on Saturday. Who's showing up? And just what are we looking at? I have a feeling there's going to be a diminishing of numbers. Hopefully not a steep decline, but I know this town. I know how they've been. And um, I'm a little less than optimistic about what that crowd is going to look like. And again, if you want to reach me on the show today, 347-633-9365. What do you think the attendance? Give me a rough estimate as to what the attendance is going to be in this game on Saturday. I, I would really like someone to guess on that. But nevertheless, let's take a look at this. Um, talk some numbers. First of all, you know, in terms of the game, the game's at 1230 start time. I think that kind of hurts. The Canes are sitting at four and four, one and three in the ACC. I think at this point, you realize you're not in the uh, ACC championship race. So now you're just playing for something else. You want something to build on in this season. You want to try and finish on a nice little four-game win streak here and get yourself to a decent bowl and win a bowl game. You want to do that. These are, these are the things that still lay ahead for the University of Miami. That's for anyone out there who is wondering what the Canes have to play for. A whole bunch? It's not like we've been playing you know, in, in top-of-the-line bowl games that we've been in the college football playoff, we've been playing on New Year's Day. We haven't been doing any of that. So the fact that we're not doing that this year should not bring a ton of disappointment. I know that sounds harsh, but I'm making that in reference to what do we still have to play for. Hey, the University of Miami has not won a bowl game, okay, since 2006. So you're wondering what to play for? Finish out this season strong, go to a bowl game, and let's Let's, at, let's show that we're turning the corner by doing that. Win your first bowl game since the Micron PC Computers Bowl under Larry Coker three coaches ago. Let's try that. That's what you got to play for. So, um, come out against Pitt, 
screw it. You're not in the championship race. You can take some of that pressure off of you. You can play the way Notre Dame did against you in that game last week. I mean, clearly, you know, Notre Dame had nothing to play for other than just pride. Let's just finish out. Let's just play football at this point. Let's not forget, um, you know, what it is we're here to do. Let's forget about trying to play for a championship. Forget about all that. Let's just play football. And I think when the Canes have played football this year and forgot about what's at stake and all that, they played pretty good football. But I can hear you all out there saying, well, that was against subpar uh, opposition. Okay, that may be the case. But the point is that against the quote-unquote subpar uh, opposition, Canes played well. I mean, you can still play substandard teams and not look good. So against what people would deem to be substandard teams, they played well. They played well in that game at Appalachian State. Yeah, Appalachian State, not on the level of a Florida State or North Carolina, Virginia Tech. They played well in that game. They were dominant. They looked good on defense. They were doing good things on defense. I've seen this team under Al Golden in years past against teams like that not look very good. And you can pretty much forecast what's coming down the road when you face some good competition. Against Georgia Tech, yeah, well, there's some, you know, things that happen, some turnovers. Turnovers are forced. Those were forced turnovers. It's not like running backs and quarterbacks were running and the ball just popped out of their hands. These were things caused by the defense. And so they forced those turnovers. So they just need to get back to playing football. So you're playing a Pittsburgh team, a team that you should beat. They are a good team, capable, obviously, of beating you if you're not on point. But a team you should beat, especially when you're playing them at home. you got a chance to end your, your four-game losing streak and get yourself on back on a win streak and close out this year with four straight wins. Pitt, Virginia, NC State, Duke, go to a you know, fairly decent bowl game and get – again, I'm going to say it again. Get your first bowl win since Larry Coker's Miami Hurricanes in 2006, 10 years. Wrap your mind around that. So that's what's at stake. Let's get that done. So that was, that's what we have there. Let's jump out to our phone line and see if we've got a call here. Caller, you got a comment for the Great Iron Set Show? Hey, what's going on, Chad? How you doing? I'm all right, man. Um, as far as the uh, the crowd this Saturday, I don't I don't think it's going to be as bad as some people think it's going to be. Um uh, hopefully it's at least what we got for FAMU. Um, and if they can get that, I think that's 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 okay. That's about about fifty thousand, I think it was, uh, when FAMU came in. Anything above forty, I think, would be great. Um, given this town that we're in, and there's so many other things to do, and you know, they're probably fans still scarred from the last regime that had gone and seen some really bad things in that stadium. I think if you get something around 50, I would call that a victory for the University of Miami, given we're on a four-game losing streak. Now, if we're in the 30s, it's a problem. Absolutely. I agree. And and, and kind of what I would say to this, I've, I've had uh, season tickets for like the last three years, is for the Hurricane fans, I know Miami is not a college town like the majority of the big schools in college football are. Right, so we're already at a disadvantage there. But what sure. I would say for the for the real Hurricane fans is we can't complain about, you know, kids going to Alabama or wherever 
when they see like the team isn't playing as well, if we aren't going to go out and support the team, you know what I mean? Like tickets aren't that expensive to go to Miami Hurricane games right now. Um, and it, you know, so I, I, if you're a Hurricane fan, I don't think there's a cost factor. I know I, you know, a lot of people complain about the parking. Um, you know, why does it cost so much? Um, I know that's a complaint, but that's not what's keeping people away. It's just that people feel like they've got better things to do, and if the team's not going to be winning every Saturday, we're just not showing up to games. I, I, can, I, I, I can 100% understand that. Um, I've been a Kane fan since I was like 10 years old, so I, I absolutely 100% understand that. Um, um, but, I mean, we got to have some type of faith. <laughs> we got to have yeah. some type of faith. Um Kids need to see that the the, the fans are gonna support, gonna support the team, gonna support the coaches. We just got a new coach. You guys got a new regime. We gotta stomach it. We gotta we gotta we got we gotta even if it's you know a mirage. We gotta try to stomach it and and go out there and support and understand that this team, man, the depth on this team is really thin. It's really thin, and they're playing yeah. true freshmen, and it's gonna be some trying times right now. And just yeah, gotta, I, I mean, it's not going to get turned around. It's not going to get built overnight. I know fans are right. impatient, still thinking about the the Canes of old. It's not that. I mean, allow this to be built. You're going to have recruits there this weekend, and they do need to see a semi-filled stadium. They don't need to see um, this thing fully empty. And then you know what happens on social media? There's always someone there ready to show yeah. a picture of the empty stadium at kickoff. So. Um, Sounds like you're going. Hopefully, a lot of other fans follow suit, and you can get that stadium, um, like you said, somewhere around fifty, uh, fifty-five thousand. That'd be great, man. I appreciate you calling. All right, Chad. No problem. No problem. Thanks. All right. Uh, well, there's one Kings fan that gets it. This thing's not going to get built overnight. Um, still, continue to come out and support, and, and let these guys know, and let the local kids know that are in high school that are considering the University of Miami know that they will be supported come hell or high water um, on Saturdays. All right, real quick, let's talk about some of the facts as it pertains to this game real quick for those of you out there. Um, Kings, uh, again, like I said, 4-4 four four, overall, 1-3 in the ACC. Um, you know, they've, uh, they've had their issues on offense. They kind of cleaned those things up last week. Hopefully they could build on that and, um, you know, get, get things moving in the right direction offensively because, you know, defensively they've suffered some, uh, you know, I think folks have kind of picked up on some things defensively, which happens. So now you need a little time where you make some adjustments. And in the meantime, while you're making those adjustments, hopefully your offense can pull up, pick up some slack and score some points for you because these things happen. Um, the pit, they've been doing it with offense this year, amazingly. Um, they've been a team that's been able to play defense, but not so much this year. Uh, Pitts averaging 38.1 points per game. Not really something I expected coming into the season. The Canes are putting up 32.9 points per contest. That has really been boosted a lot by those first four games against, um, you know, non-ACC opponents. Uh, but, I, you know, the secondary for Pitt is one that can be taken advantage of, and this is, would be a good time for the Canes passing game and offense to get back on track. Perhaps this is something – that can help them with that because they're going to need that offense down this final stretch if they're going to win these games and, like I said, get themselves into, um, you know, a pretty good bowl game here at the end of the year. The Kings are six-and-a-half-point favorites, so Vegas feels like this is a game the Kings should win. And I'm declaring it that, so hopefully that is what happens here uh, as the Kings host the Pitt Panthers. We'll talk more about that game 
tomorrow on our Football Friday show as Emil and I go through the ACC. But that's it. Canes are at home. Solid favorites. Need, need, need to get a win in this game and reverse uh, their misfortune here over the last four games. I'm going to take a break. When I get back, Nick Delatore joins me from GatorCountry.com. What's next for the Gators? They're heading out to Arkansas. Can they really, really put themselves in the driver's seat in the SEC East race? We'll talk about that when I get back on the Great Iron Stud Show right after this. What's the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Hey, this is Dennis Rodman. Let me show you how to break your dick three ways. I was on a boat one time in Dallas, Texas. They go out there all day long, you know, in the sun, drinking, drinking, party, 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 go to the bar out there at night, drunk as a motherfucker. This, this, this. My girlfriend, night, whatever. We in the back, we in the back of the boat, the big king size bed. You know, she said, we gotta have sex. She loves sex. So I said, try, I think I'm gonna try something different. She said, go over there, walk over there. I said, okay, I'll walk over there. She said, I want you to run and jump in my pussy. I said, all right, great. So I go run, run on the boat. I dive like this. And literally do. I'm like, oh, f-. blood everywhere. I mean, blood everywhere. I mean, no sooner I did that shit, it's, you just see it just all over you. She's a white girl, you just saw level blood all over. And she's screaming, screaming, oh my God, he's dead, he's dead. I killed him, oh my God. And I said, no, honey.
I'm not sure how to segue into that. But nevertheless, it's time to talk. Gators football, Gators heading out to Arkansas, and uh, who better to do that with than Nick Dillatory from GatorCountry.com. Nick, any of you know any objections to coming on after the Dennis Rodman I broke my dick story? Uh, I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> I don't know if, uh, if, if Fayetteville uh, follows that up well. Um, yeah, man. Well, nevertheless, some hogs are, uh, need to get slaughtered this weekend as the Gators travel out to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas. You know, coming into the season, this game was one that had many Gator fans worried, feeling like this was going to be, you know, a big bump in the road, and potentially a big bump in the road for the Gators. Um, you know, Fayetteville is a tough place to play. Uh, Arkansas mm-hmm. plays a you know physical brand of football, and you know there's a chance that the Gators would be flying high at this point in time and could you know run into a bit of a problem there. People, I think, coming into the season expected maybe something like one loss for Tennessee in the conference and one loss for Florida in the conference when this game um, came to be. Things are different now, so. How do, how do fans feel about this Arkansas game? I think fans are confident. Before the year, I thought this was your trap game. Um, that was before LSU got moved around. Uh, and I say that because Arkansas got a bye week last week. Florida's coming off of a game against Georgia that's always physical. Um, and, and you were supposed to have an LSU game before this. So my question was then, you're going through a, a very physical, tough LSU game, a very physical, tough Georgia game. What are you looking like health-wise going into Arkansas? Um, Florida's actually pretty healthy going in this week, and I just don't think Arkansas – Arkansas's had a lot of trouble with their offensive line. They, they're giving up, um, I think, 15 sacks, or only half 15 sacks. They're, they've given up 21 sacks this mm-hmm. season – I think Florida has the speed off the edge to, to, to make Austin Allen have a very long day. Um, and I think Florida's deeper, kind of one of those games where you, you can just wear a team down. Sure. Um, there's a little bit of a danger here, I think, with Arkansas having had two weeks to skew about an embarrassing mm-hmm. 56-3 loss to Auburn. Um, you know, if you're looking for potential problems for the Gators here, that, that – that would be one of them. Does that make you fearful? Yeah, that was uh, Auburn ran for 543 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, hmm. That's embarrassing. That's uh, I'm sure the sure. Uh, the defense has heard about heard heard those numbers every mm-hmm. day for the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if Arkansas has the guys to stop Florida from running the ball. Florida's not Auburn's rushing attack. They're not going to run for 500 yards. No. Um, but, yeah, they've definitely heard about it. And it, it, it's, you know, you, you played football. When you lose a game, you kind of want to get back out there. When that's right. your last performance, a 56-3 to loss, uh, these guys might be foaming at the mouth by the time Florida shows up in, in Arkansas. Yeah, I think we could fully expect Arkansas to come out full of piss and vinegar, like you said, foaming at the mouth. But when you think about it, can they really do anything about it? As I sit here and look at Arkansas' schedule, they've got a win over up and down Mississippi, a win over Mm -hmm. Elkhorn State, Texas State, 
TCU's falling back. And Louisiana Tech, they don't really have a win um, that they could, you know, call a feather in their cap right here. And they've been outclassed by the better teams that they've played, giving up 45 to A&M, 49 to Alabama, and then, as we said, 56 to Auburn. You know, why are they struggling so much up front, both on offense and defensive line? Um, they're struggling. And that's kind of a, that's kind of Bielma's calling card to have those big guys on both lines. Yeah. He wants to be he wants to be a physical coach. Uh, I'm not sure what it is it, on the offensive line. It's really just the right side, um, the left side, the center. They've been fine. It, they haven't really. I don't think they've had a, two guys start a game on the right side, right guard, right tackle, in consecutive games. They're kind of just shuffling the pieces, trying to find what works. Were they able to do that? During the bye week, we'll see who, who, who trots out there. But you also have to look. Arkansas has LSU waiting uh, after Florida. So it, it's not like, you know, they're getting a, a Presbyterian and they don't have to focus. Right. You know, they can, so I, I don't know. I, it, to me, it's strange. I thought this was a trap game for Florida. Before the year started, I picked Arkansas to win this game just because of kind of those intangible um, factors that we, that we mentioned. Um, Going into it this week, I, I just don't, I don't see how it is. Arkansas hasn't been able to run the ball well, um, and that's what sets up their passing game. They're their best passing team in the SEC, but that's all predicated off of being able to run the ball and then hitting play action passes. Florida's coming off the game where they allowed, they held Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle to twenty-one or twenty-two yards on twelve carries between those two. Uh, if you can make Arkansas one-dimensional, Austin Allen got hurt. Last uh, their last game towards the end of the game, Jabari Zuniga, Brian Cox, Jordan Sherritt, uh, they're going to be getting they're going to become very familiar with Mr. Allen uh, if Arkansas can't at least make Florida respect the run. Yeah, I mean dropping back to last week's game, um, I felt pretty confident about Florida going out and getting a victory against Georgia. Georgia is just struggling right now, but I, I was surprised at the fact that Florida's defense. Um, really held Georgia's run game completely in check. I mean, no one could go into that game expecting that number that you just said. Chubb and Michelle um, rushing for so little yards. Um, was that something that – what do you what do you think was behind that? Um, I mean, uh, I saw a, read a story yesterday about Chubb and Michelle said they were going to go talk to Kirby Smart about why they didn't get enough carries. And you got 12. You were averaging one point – you got you got 12 carries uh, between you, and you were averaging 1.8. Like, what do you want to do? You want to just keep bashing your head against the wall? I don't understand. Uh, at some point, you have to go away from it. Sure. I don't know. I didn't expect that. I, I, I expected Georgia to get 100 yards. I think that's what we said in our podcast, uh, Andrew Spivey and I said, probably mm-hmm. right around 100, I think, and, and Florida calls out a win. Uh, there was just nothing. And I really take it back to getting Joey Ivey back and now you have two guys inside that are commanding double teams, creating four other players around them. I think that's what really held Florida back. You know, the second half against Tennessee, um, against Missouri, I think that's what held them back is not having Ivy, not having Jordan Sherrod. Those guys uh, might not fill up the stat sheet, but they're key for Florida uh, in their running and in their rush defense. Yeah, uh, and let's – Let's, you touched on them. Let's talk about our friends in Knoxville. Uh, that is a full implosion over there right now. 
three-game losing streak. You lose to South Carolina. You lose to uh, Will Meschamp once again. And then your primetime running back decides that he's out of town. I mean, what's going on there in Knoxville? Uh, is it winter? Is there, Are they just trying to keep warm by a dumpster fire? Uh, I don't know. What I don't know. <laughs> Inexcusable to lose to South Carolina. South Carolina is a bad football team, and you had a bye week to get ready for that game. Uh, other than thinking that guys are just packing it in, that guys are quitting, I, I, there's no explanation to lose that game. It, it, we saw it some with Florida back in 2013 when they went 4-8. and eight. Um, Guys, you know, kind of just packing it in and quitting, and now you're losing games that you shouldn't lose. Maybe that's happening in Tennessee. I don't know. How, I don't well, think Tennessee no, should lose anymore, but if they lose another game, does Butch survive that? Yeah, I, I don't know that he does. And, you know, I, I think, you know, the fans aren't the team, but sometimes, you know, the mindsets are, mirror each other. And I took a poll on Gridiron Stud's uh, Twitter account this week, and I asked this question for Tennessee fans, better outcome in 2016. Beat the Gators, but no SEC championship game, or lose your 12th in a row to the Gators, but you end up in the SEC championship game. And it was 57% in favor of beating the Gators, but we don't go to SEC championship. So that just gives you an idea of the mindset. And it sure looks like, um, Nick, that that's kind of where the team was. They geared their entire season up to beating the Gators, and then they really had nothing else after that. Yeah, that's a, that's a loser mentality. And I get that that was a big game for Tennessee. Uh, you lost 11 in a row. Uh, but that, that's a loser mentality. You know, I mentioned it last week with Georgia, saying Georgia really doesn't have anything to play for. But ruining Florida's season makes you feel better. Uh, but, but that's a loser mentality. And, and if you're a team that is predicted to win the SEC, you're a team that has Heisman contenders in the preseason – that's not your your game isn't one your your season isn't one game or it shouldn't be but maybe it is maybe, maybe you know every player everyone circled that Florida game and they forgot that they uh, you know the season didn't end in September. I think they did more than, than circle. I think they like deleted all the other games off of there because they hadn't played well <laughs> in the other ones, including Ohio and Appalachian State. Well, last question, Nick, before I let you go here, uh, if if. The Gators go out and they beat Arkansas in this game uh, on Saturday. Um, can I go ahead and book my flight to Atlanta? Yeah, book it. Book a hotel room. If Florida beats Arkansas, uh, they can clinch the SEC East uh, the following week when Will Muschamp returns. Um, that'll be senior day as well. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, most of these seniors uh, are guys, or all the seniors are guys Will Muschamp recruited. Um, so he'll be there for that, but Florida's not stumbling at South Carolina. If you take care of Arkansas, Florida will clinch the SEC East. Uh, and then, really, you start getting into some cool territory where Florida could be going down to Baton Rouge at 8-1, and one, uh, maybe ranked in the CFP polls in the 6 range, 5-6 range, kind of on the precipice of, of a college football playoff. And if you, get to the, uh, if you get to Atlanta with one loss, that's, a, that's essentially a playing game for, for whoever, yeah. uh, whoever they meet there. Like a playoff game. How about the irony of that? Clinching a trip to Atlanta uh, for the SEC championship game with Will Muschamp in town on senior on senior day. How about that? Well, Nick, I appreciate you coming on and talking Gators football with us here on the Gridiron Set Show.
See you, Jen. All right. Nick DeLatorre from GatorCountry.com. For all of your coverage of all things Gator sports, head over to GatorCountry.com. Those guys do a really good job of that. Well, from the Gators, we're going to travel up to the panhandle and talk some Florida State Seminoles football. I've not been able to have this guy on my show so far this season, but um, I'm really happy to have him on. I reached him on a non-golf day, so we have been blessed with the uh, presence of Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation on the call. Florida State football. Bud, what's going on? Chad, it's been too long. Yeah, well, really, really too long. And, you know, man, um, it's been one of those crazy seasons for the Seminoles, man. Missed the ability to have your insight on a number of things that have been going on. Obviously, can't pack all that into this one call here, so hopefully I can get you on a couple more times. But um, let's talk about what lies ahead for the Seminoles. They find themselves in unusual territory. Um, they've not been in a situation like this in a number of years now, you know, pre-Jameis Winston, where they're sitting here with three losses. You're not playing for a chance to go to the championship game. Um, you're not going to be playing in one of those really cute, nice bowl games that have the best goodie bags ever. So how does Jimbo Fisher get his Knowles to play at a really high level now for the rest of the games this season? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, he, he had to make the guys sign a, a, a promissory note to, to play hard and to give their all uh, before mm. the, the Miami game, you know, after the North Carolina game, which I think speaks to uh, – you know, kind of speaks to him having lost his team at one point this season. And, Wait, uh, is that you know, a real thing? That's real? That happened? Yes. Yeah, we obtained a copy of that. Uh, somebody, somebody took a photo of that for us. It, it, it hangs in their lockers. So, uh, Chad, I think that, that kind of tells you of where – Sort of like this coaching staff was not getting through to this team. Um, it's, it's a talented football team, and they, they've not done a very good job coaching it this year. You know, there's a number of problems. If we want to just go obvious, we could just blame everything on the defense, and we could just leave it at that. And you know, I can tell you, thanks for coming on. But um, you, you know, you have pretty good insight on Florida State football and football in general. So um, we could go away from the obvious. Yes, the defense has been a problem. What else has contributed to this less-than-expected football season for Florida State? You know, I don't know that they have a great culture of competitiveness. Uh, just hearing from some parents, I, I think that uh, there are some kids on the team who are kind of disillusioned. And the the, the Murray thing, you know, going out there and probably being their best receiver against Clemson, well, he only got on the field because Bubba Wilson got hurt. And – and, and no offense to Bobo Wilson, who I actually think had been one of their better players this year, um, you know, kind of coming to his own. But from what I was told, Murray was making a lot of really good plays at practice. And, and there's sort of a feeling, I think, uh, and this is always sort of a fans us coaches disconnect, but I think there's a sort of a feeling there, even from some players, that maybe they're valuing, like, scheme knowledge and, and running the play the right way over playmaking ability, perhaps mm-hmm. a little bit maybe – too far to one extreme uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And so we'll see if, if any of that gets uh, gets changed. I, I think against Clemson, you, you saw two of the offenses problems. Uh, number one, Francois has, is is not accurate, right? Uh, I know we charted it, and he had seven passes in the first half where he was not under pressure, and they were just uncatchable. Mm-hmm. You can't and, – and, you know, if, look, throwing on first down is a quarterback's best friend. Jimbo Fisher, to his credit, did try to do a good job of creating opportunities to throw on first down when the defense was loading up against Cook. And Francois just, just kind of flat missed him. And then 
what that leads to, of course, is third and eight, third and ten, third and twelve. Um, and, and the offensive line got whipped in those obvious passing situations. So it was kind of a kind of a double edged sword there. Yeah, um, let's talk about Francois. The disadvantage for him that Jameis Winston didn't have when he was coming in was exactly that. No one, was, there was no one really to be mentioned when Jameis was coming in. He wasn't coming in on the heels of some super quarterback. It, you know, the position had been kind of choppy. Um, prior to Jameis's arrival. So Jameis could just be Jameis. Francois comes in, and of course, the comparison uh, over and over to Jameis Winston. And there was Jameis in the locker room at halftime of his first game, um, kind of getting the guys rallied up, kind of doing what Francois couldn't really do as a freshman quarterback. Um, Jameis was a, the ghost of Jameis was in there to get the guys all cranked up, and they went out and they got their, you know, comeback win versus Ole Miss. So it, you, do you feel like that Jameis Winston pressure and comparison has been too much for Francois, or is this just what he is right now as a freshman quarterback? I think it's probably more of the latter. Uh, you know, he did have the the, the one buffer year there uh, last year where they, where they had uh, Everett Golson transfer and, and then Sean McGuire. Look, I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He just the rest of the team, I think, collectively played their best game of the year against Clemson. I mean, Clemson is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was Florida State's overall their best game. It just so happened that their their freshman quarterback had his worst game of the year. Uh, right. It was not great timing. Not great timing on his part, but maybe the moment was a little bit too big. I mean, he's also had some great moments this year, uh, you know, where, where he's played very well under pressure. So I don't think he's a guy who, who wilts in the, in the moment. I, I just think that, you know, he, he had a bad day against Clemson. Uh, you know, I, I told my readers, I said, look, this was the best game Florida State's played all year. They, they played a brutal schedule, um, and they, they, they played Clemson to the wire. Yeah, definitely had every chance uh, in the world to win the game. And, you know, if you listen to Jimbo Fisher, the officiating had something to do with that. I didn't get in-depth with it. It seemed to be a big story at the early part of this week. Do you share Jimbo Fisher's um, outlook on the officiating in the game, and what was the biggest source of his issue with the strikes? So uh, I I think it's it's multifaceted. Number one, yes, I totally agree with him that, that, that the uh, the chop call was incorrect, uh, and, and replay backs him up on it. It's pretty clearly a blown call that wipes out a 50-yard run. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get him going nuts there. Number two, apparently there's a history with this crew. Uh, you remember when, when Nigel Bradham got ejected against Miami for laying out? Oh, yeah. uh, um, so that was apparently the same guy who threw that on Bradham. Uh, and so there, there's kind of a history there between Fisher and these officials. But third, I, I do think that, look, if you're that far out on the field and you're clearly mouthing at the guy, you have to. Uh, yeah. Look, man, that, that, that's – and I'm okay with, with, with the rant after the game. That's fine, too. But you can't get a personal foul penalty after you get the sideline warning tacked on after you just got a chop block off because that killed the drive. Oh, yeah, double whammy. I mean, and, but where they really lost this game, though, and this has been a problem all year, their slow starts. They, they were down 14 nothing in the first quarter. That, that's your mark. Oh, you right there. They, they outscored Clemson. I don't have the stats on this, bud. How many times this season has the opponent gone down and scored on their first drive against Florida State? I think four or five. The, the, the crazier stat, I think, is the offense. They have not scored a touchdown in the first quarter against the Power 5 team. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's um, unheard of. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's a recipe for disaster. 
And we are we were talking about a young quarterback. Like he's up against it. He's got a gun to his head. Pretty much every one of these big time football games. Well, you know, but I've watched this with my own school. Um, you had a period there, obviously, of dominance, and then things start to wane off. And part of what happens there is uh, um, a sense of entitlement, um, uh, a feeling that you know, once I put this jersey on, all opposition lays down. And do you think there's some of that going on at Florida State? And then um, how do you feel about the showtime, the, the show on showtime on the heels of losing a bowl game last year? I mean, is, do you think that's a factor? Was that a good idea? Um, does the, the, whatever it does for recruiting, um, does that balance out whatever it might put into the minds of the current players on this team? You know, I, uh, I, I do think there's a sense of entitlement. With, with any program where the coach has been there for a while and they've had success, unless you're unless you're at Alabama and you're, you know Nick, Nick Saban will just flat cut kids, so that that you know the, Nick Saban maintains the whole carrot and stick, you know. But mm-hmm. if you're not willing to really, there's very few coaches who will manage their roster and just flat out cut kids. And <laughs> lo and behold, the one guy that keeps winning all these titles seems to churn that thing over every year. Uh, yeah. But as far as entitlement due to the Showtime thing, I, I don't really think so. But I do think that, that it offers insight into just how badly this coaching staff misjudged what they had with this team. Because mm-hmm. Showtime wanted to do this last year. And, and I think Florida State's coaches knew last year was not going to be a very good team. And, look, this year's team has improved, certainly. They, they, their record's the same, but they, they're playing a much tougher schedule. This, this is a better team than they had last year. Right. But, I, man, I, I got to think if you guys felt good enough to have Showtime come in this year and you didn't feel good enough about it last year, you must have thought this team was going to be pretty damn good. And from talking to some of them, they did. And they misjudged it badly. Yeah. Um, I was. I thought maybe the beginning of the year Jimbo Fisher was, was trying to pump his team up through the media um, because he was, um, you know, shelling out a lot of superlatives for this team. And I wasn't sure that he had that. But, I, you know, I'm going to go on the assumption like, hey, how, what, who am I to say anything? This guy's with this team every day. Um, and he was honest last year. You know, last year, remember how, how many that opening press conference, I think, I think we counted up. He, he used the words like young, teaching, fundamentals, all that stuff, like 27 times or something in the opening pressures. He was sending a message last year, hey, guys, we're not that good. <laughs> this is a really young team. Uh, yeah. man, we just lost 29 guys to the league in three years. Um, this year there wasn't any of that. So I really do think he thought he had something different than he ended up having. Or maybe he's just trying to take a different approach. You know, I was all honest last year, and then it ended up with us losing a, a bowl game to Houston. Maybe I need to be a little bit more positive with this group, and let's see what happens here. I don't know what card it pulls out. Final thing. You know, they, they also have lost some, some key guys on, on the team this year. That really, I mean, look, is this team a one-loss team with Derwin James? I don't know. They, they've lost a game by one point at home and a game by three points at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and when, when you saw Marshall get ejected, Watson's yards per attempt doubled from 7.3, which is actually a pretty good job by the defense against him, to 13.6, which is, like, which is video games. Yeah. Sure. Uh, on, on, the fi- on the final three drives, he was 13.6 per, per, per attempt, not per completion. Like, that, that's, you know, because they had already lost Nate Andrews. So, at that point, they're down their top three safeties, Marshall Andrews and Irvin James. And Clemson very smartly went right at him. So, I, I don't know. Like, I think the team has improved. And I, at least to my, my readers, I, I told them, I said, look, there's not really a reason to flip out 
after losing to Clemson. That was your best game. Flip out when you get when you get your doors blown off by Louisville. Flip out when you lose at home to North Carolina. This, right. You know, if you if you go by the theory, you know, play quality football and let the wins and losses fall as they may, mm-hmm. then you got to be pretty happy about the game they just played overall. Yeah, and that's something I was been saying about you know the Canes as well. Yes, you're on a four game losing streak, but when I look at this team and compare it to what I saw last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not as angry as anything uh, at any time last year. I just couldn't watch. Miami is playing harder. Miami's definitely yeah. playing harder. Like they're they're not laying down. That they're they're clearly some of their personnel in certain spots is lacking, and mm-hmm. it'll get better. I think Mark is doing a good job down there. You know, like, do so I think he's going to bring him back to, like, national championship? I don't know. Like, he couldn't do it at Georgia. But I do think he's going to improve them, certainly. And and sure. they, they haven't quit on him. They're, they're playing really hard. Like, this is a different losing streak than the ones that are out golden when they just kind of laid down for the rest of the year after the FSU lost. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, you know, that's kind of the same thing you've seen here with Florida State. Um, Clearly, though, we need to keep uh, and pay attention to what happens here at NC State after that loss to Clemson, which kind of finally drove a point home there for Florida State. Like this is not this is not our year, so you're kind of going to have to watch how they play on the road at NC State. I know, having been a player, after you lose a game like Clemson, you want to get back and play a game, but you want to get back and play uh, another great team, and that's not what you're getting with NC State. So, um, going to be important to watch. Um, what goes on with the Seminoles in this game against an NC State team that's also struggling? Are they going to have their minds together? Uh, last thing I'm going to ask you, if the, if the Seminoles win out here, what's the best bowl scenario for them? So I think, okay. yeah, uh, I, I they're not going to get to a New Year's Six Bowl unless something weird happens in the Coastal. And like the, the if the Coastal champion, I think, ends up with three losses, uh, then technically, I guess Florida State could go because they're they'd have to move up like ten spots in, in the playoff rankings. But most likely, if they went out, I think that they would face the number two team in the Big Twelve, which at this point is West Virginia or Baylor, uh, in the Russell Athletic Bowl, which is the the or, or the old Citrus Bowl, yeah. um, which is a I don't know. It, I think it's a, a pretty decent second tier bowl, but it's it's not a New Year's Six bowl. Can, do you think? you think this Seminoles team can get up for a game like that? And then someone like Dalvin Cook, who's obviously um, on his way to riches at the next level, you know, how can he, how can he play to the max in a game like this with, you know, um, so much at stake in his future? I completely agree with you on there thinking that. And I guess the one counter that, that I heard somebody say about Leonard Fournette, and it made a lot of sense. They said, you don't get to be as great of a player as you are if you don't have, like, next-level competitiveness in you, you know? Mm. It, it, there's just, there's a certain kind of drive, internal drive, and internal pride, I think, that it takes to, to play at that level. And mm-hmm. they were saying, look, that's just hard to turn off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, even, if you're, even if you know, guessing he probably already has an insurance policy. I, I, know, I know the school, uh, to the NCAA, can actually pay for those now, you know? Yeah. We, we, we found, we, we found that out, so... Yeah, he's probably got some insurance on it. Yeah, and, and you know, I agree with that, too. It used to annoy me to talk with Jadavion Clowney coming into his last year, and I was like, if a guy buys into that, he's going to flame out at the next level, and, you know, they're still up in the air about Jadavion Clowney, but he did. If you know, they didn't he did have clown. the insurance, though, would you right. feel differently? 
Um, of course you would, but still, the insurance is not going to equal what you potentially think you're going to make in the NFL. And, you know, I've happened to know a couple of guys that have smoked through their insurance money when they collected on it. So, um, you know, there's never enough money for these young guys. A million dollars. It's just not what it used to be, but. <laughs> no, it's it's not. I mean, and look, you know me, I, I think these kids should get paid. It's the, the, it's the most brutal sport. You get the shortest career in the league, and you get paid the least amount of money. Because you got to share yeah. it with such a large roster, uh, and running backs too, running backs too. So, oh, specifically running backs. I mean, that, that's and, and hell, now now that those those guys don't even get those contracts because teams want to go and, and share carries all the time. I know you just got to be careful with a guy like Dalvin Cook that he doesn't come in next Monday and say he's going to transfer and go play tight end at another school. You know what, though? A lot of people thought that Hurd would be a better outside, out, like a Jack or, or a better H-back type. Uh, I mean, for every Derrick Henry, there's a lot of these, these six two and a half, six three running backs who, who think they're that, and they're, they're really not. Yeah, I've never been in favor of the um, big dudes like that playing a position because, you know, maybe it's me. I play DB. I know um, you come around the corner at that size. I'm uh, I'm going I'm going low, and you're probably you know going to suffer an injury at some point that's going to really rail your career. Exactly, and most of what these guys don't have is acceleration. Like a lot of them actually have pretty good top end speed, but they don't they don't reach that top end speed fast enough. So if there's any kind of traffic around their feet in the backfield, that the run is kind of dead oftentimes. You know, it's that's why they're actually pretty good on on like tosses and stuff because they're able to build momentum. Um, yeah. It's kind of like like every year you and I say, hey, if you're under six foot tall, consider playing DB. Look at the NFL draft numbers. They do not feel like waste or I don't want to say wasting. They don't feel like using picks on on receivers under six foot. They don't feel like difference makers. You know, exactly. but they'll take it. They'll take a five ten and a half DB all day. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. Well, listen, Bud, you can't have you missing anymore, man. I gotta find uh, a way to get you on this show every Thursday. The insight is uh, is, is awesome as always, man. I appreciate you coming on. All right, Chad, take care. All right. Bud Elliott from TomahawkNation.com, always, always uh, a great guest on the show. If you want to know anything about uh, Florida State Seminoles football, I mean, they go in depth. They break down film. Um, uh, they also write articles that piss off rival fans, like the ones that got going right now on Tomahawk Nation, talking about um, the SEC East being a ter- terrible division in Power 5, maybe the worst. So if you're a Florida Gators fan, you feel like getting angry today, head over to Tomahawk Nation and grab a hold of that story and read that one. But, again, thanks to Bud Elliott for coming on and uh, sharing his insight on Florida State Seminoles football. I'm going to take a quick break and come back for the final little segment of the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be right back, right? season's here and you want yourself set up for the weekend. Well, the Gridiron Stud Show is the place to be. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. and get the best picks in college and NFL football from Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. They'll break it down for you, give you a little analysis and a little intelligence. You can do that or you can do this and listen to this. Hey, call me now. I've got the templates for the entire weekend. Call me now on a recorded message that will give you free the Jets versus the Bills, the Lions versus the Cowboys, and the Eagles versus the Bucks. 
Call me now. I've got winners for you. The entire weekend. Absolutely free. 1-800-238-I-WIN. 1-800-238-I-WIN. I've got all the inside info from all the casinos. That and those tickets. Call me free. I've got all the winners. Give them to me. I got them to you. You get them. You got them. I got them. We all got them. No need for that foolishness. Gridiron Stud Show. Every Friday, 10 a.m., Chad Wilson, Abel Calamino give you their top picks in college and NFL, and we win without all the foolishness. No spitting, no yelling. Top plays every week. Tune in every Friday, 10 a.m., Gridiron Stud Show, Blog Talk Radio, hosted by Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino. See you there. somewhere in a castle. You have to be dead not to know that. And, you know, during the political season, there's always talks of the issues, and one of the big issues always is health care. And that's what's up right now. But now is the time to get free health insurance for you and your loved ones. Primary care insurance is now enrolling individuals into their Obamacare insurance plans. So call today, 954-278-8696. That's correct. Free health insurance, Obamacare, is now available from November 1st. January 31st. It's urgent that you call today, though. 954-278-8696. Let them know you heard it on the Gridiron Stud Show. As open enrollment only comes once a year, so this means that the government is willing to pay for your health insurance needs. You need to look into that. Don't miss out on your opportunity. The time to get your free health insurance for you and your family is now. So again, please call 954-278-8696. Again, call now. The number is 954-278-8696. Or also, you can visit their webpage to get started. It's www.optimumnationalinsurance.com. That's optimumnationalinsurance.com. Go get your free health insurance today. All right. Um, well, you know, certainly talked about some good things on the show here today with the Canes, the Gators, and the Knolls. Um, some interesting games here for the Canes. A must-win situation for them. You can't lose five in a row. Um, you'd be looking at some pretty serious problems with your fan base, probably uh, within the walls of your own program if you go lose five straight there. Um, I know fans want this thing microwave. They want the rebuild microwave. What you've got to understand, fans, is that it's been a while, okay? It's been a while. It's time to, like, come to reality on some things. We've not won double-digit games since 2003. We've not won a bowl game since 2006. Uh, we are on... Um, you know, we've not been to a championship for four, four straight coaches now. If we're going to count Mark Rick, because we're not getting there this year, four and four. Allow this thing to be built. Attend the games. Have a little bit of patience. There will be some growing pains. You get through this. There'll be times uh, when you can look back at this and say, hey, you know, that was the beginning of something. So um, they need to calm down. Gator fans, um, you look, I'm with uh, Nick Dillatore. Although I never really, you know, want to just go ahead and cancel out an opponent because South Carolina is playing some pretty good football right now. You do have to notice that last two games, they've looked good on offense. Uh, Defense is starting to feel themselves a little bit. You'd be surprised what kind of a boost to uh, confidence a win over Tennessee like that can, can give a team and where they can go from there. But if they get this win in Arkansas on, on Saturday, then 
you got to feel pretty damn good about the Florida Gators making a return trip to Atlanta to play in the SEC championship game as uh, things continue to come unhinged in Tennessee. And um, who can trust Kentucky? Kentucky and Tennessee play each other. So someone's going to eliminate themselves out of this race in that contest. Kentucky beats Tennessee, then Tennessee's dead in the water. So far as that is concerned, uh, Tennessee beats Kentucky, Kentucky's dead in the water. So there'll be only one team left. And, um, you know, the Gators would have to fall to South Carolina and to, to LSU and, you know, don't quite see that happening because I feel like if the Gators were to lose to South Carolina, I think they'd muster everything in the world uh, for that LSU game and uh, would be at a psychological advantage in that contest. And then for the Florida State Seminoles, uh, again, as I you know discussed with Bud, um, uh, when discussed with Bud Elliott, that you know, it's been a while since the Seminoles have found themselves in this position right here where they're sitting with three losses at this point in the season and there's really nothing on the table for them in terms of a big time bowl game or, you know, a a conference championship or, you know, a chance to play in the playoff, Um, all that's off the table and you still got some games um, left here. So um, it's going to be important to really pay attention to how they handle things in this road game against NC state, who's also struggling. Will Florida state get up for a game like this or how big is that disappointment? after the lost eclipse. So we discussed all that and, uh, you know, got some pretty good insight on it. I want to thank my guest, uh, Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com, joining me on the show today, as well as Bud Elliott making his first appearance on the Gridiron Stud Show this season from Tomahawk Nation. Um, be sure to go out and visit the websites of both of those guys. They do a really, really good job covering their prospective schools, uh, schools Florida and Florida State. And uh, hopefully next week I can get Brian to Beast London on with me to talk some Kings football. Well, nevertheless, that's the end of uh, another edition of the Gridiron Studs Show. Don't forget tomorrow, Football Friday, AMLI will break things down in college and NFL football. Also going to talk some high school football as we're down to the final week in high school football here in the state of Florida. So I'm going to have Joshua Wilson on with me from FloridaHSFootball.com. And we're going to talk about some of the playoff implications and some of the bigger games that are going down in the state of Florida tomorrow night. So don't forget that. We'll be back on for the rest of you out here listening to me. Um, I appreciate you coming on listening live. If you're listening archive, the Gridiron Stud Show is live weekdays at 10 a.m. You can find us at gridironstudshow.com. Also, would like you all to travel over and follow us on our new Twitter account for the Gridiron Stud Show. It's G-I-S Show, B-G. At G-I-S-O-B-T. So that's your homework. Go follow us right now. Gridiron Stead Show. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Desperately in need of some strangers have. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.